1923. A pen is certainly an excellent instrument to fix a man's attention and to inflame his ambition. John Adams Chapter 1 Alpha The envelope slapped down onto the desk ten inches from my much-abused eyes, instantly obscuring the black lines of Hebrew letters that had begun to quiver an hour before. With the shock of the sudden change, my vision stuttered, attempted a valiant rally, then slid into complete rebellion and would not focus at all. I leant back in my chair with an ill-stifled groan, peeled my wire-rimmed spectacles from my ears and dropped them onto the stack of notes and sat for a long minute with the heels of both hands pressed into my eye sockets. The person who had so unceremoniously delivered this grubby interruption moved off across the room, where I heard him sort a series of envelopes, chuck, chuck, chuck into the wastepaper basket, then stepped into the front hallway to drop a heavy envelope onto the table there. Mrs. Hudson's monthly letter from her daughter in Australia, I noted, two days early. Before coming back to take up a position beside my desk, one shoulder dug into the bookshelf, eyes gazing, no doubt, out the window at the downs rolling down to the channel. I replaced the heels of my hands with the backs of my fingers, cool against the hectic flesh, and addressed my husband. Do you know, Holmes? I had a great uncle in Chicago, whose promising medical career was cut short when he began to go blind over his books. It must be extremely frustrating to have one's future betrayed by a tiny web of optical muscles, though he did go on to make a fortune selling eggs and trousers to the gold miners, I added. Whom is it from? Shall I read it to you, Russell? so as to save your optic muscles for the metheg and your beloved furtive patak? His solicitor's words were spoilt by the sardonic, almost querulous edge to his voice. Alas, I have become a mere secretary to my wife's ambitions. Kindly do not snort, Russell. It is an unbecoming sound. Let me see. I felt his arm come across my desk, and I heard the letter whisper as it was plucked up. The envelope is from the Hotel Imperial in Paris, a name which contains distinct overtones of sagging mattresses and ominous nocturnal rustling noises in the wardrobe. It is addressed simply to Mary Russell, no title whatsoever. The hand is worthy of some attention, a woman's writing, surely, though almost masculine in the way the fingers grasp the pen. The writer is obviously highly educated, a professional woman, to use the somewhat misleading modern phrase. I venture to say that this particular lady does not depend on her womanliness for a livelihood. Her teas reveal her to be an impatient person, and there is passion in the sweeps of her uprights. Yet her S's and A's speak of precision, and the lower edge of each line is as exact as it is authoritative. She also either has great faith in the French and English postal systems, or else is so self-assured as to consider the insurance of placing her name or room number on the envelope unnecessary. I lean toward the latter theory. As this analysis progressed, I recovered my glasses, the better to study my companion where he stood in the bright window, 
bent over the envelope like a jeweller with some rare uncut stone, and I was hit by one of those odd moments of analytical apartness, when one looks with a stranger's eyes on something infinitely familiar. Physically, Sherlock Holmes had changed little since we had first met on these same Sussex Downs a bit more than eight years before. His hair was slightly thinner, certainly greyer, and his grey eyes had become even more deeply hooded, so that the resemblance to some far-seeing, sharp-beaked raptor was more marked than ever. No, his body had only exaggerated itself. The greatest changes were internal. The fierce passions that had driven him in his early years, years before I was even born, had subsided, and the agonies of frustration he had felt when without a challenge, frustration that